Hello and welcome to the Lotox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 58 and it's a return guest, Kirsty Worth. This was a very popular show, The Many Personalities of Bacteria. If you haven't listened to it, I absolutely encourage you to do so. And today I've invited Kirsty back to talk about a couple of things. One, I was super keen to hear how she went with her son who's autistic at the neuroplasticity clinic in Texas that she went to with him last month. And it was really quite an amazing experience and trip with some wonderful results. And uh, in terms of that part of the show, She actually shares some brilliant things that have absolutely nothing to do with whether you have health challenges or not. They simply are going to benefit you no matter what uh, when it comes to your vagus nerve and your brain's connection to the rest of your body. So definitely worth a listen, but of course, especially if you have an autistic child. We also talk about parasites because I think that's a topic that people are starting to get more and more on their radar as they experience chronic illness and don't seem to get any answers. Parasites can be something that flies under the radar literally um, in the way they can hide in the body and can yet be, I mean, can just be so responsible for such intense symptoms. It, it really is something worth identifying if you're experiencing things ongoing. Uh, it's definitely a, um, a stone I would turn over and just check out because you could find some incredibly powerful healing happens quickly once you identify whether you do have a parasite or not and what that parasite is because, of course, they're all little ninjas and act very differently in our systems to produce different symptoms. So it's a great chat around parasites and what we can do. And then I put it out to you guys on Facebook a few weeks ago that I was going to be interviewing Kirsty and having her back on the show and whether anyone had any questions because people raved about that show 42. And I thought, you know, based on that, what more do you want to learn about gut health and what can we ask Kirsty? So we talk about We basically answer all the questions that were in that thread in a bit of a rapid fire situation. So uh, today is just packed with twist turns and absolutely worth listening the whole way through because just as she did last time, Kirsty's providing us a brilliant plethora of information that we can act on and improve our health with from today, which is awesome. So it's the last week that we have Nourish Life as our show supporter and that means that today the giveaway has been drawn and you have to go and look on the show notes for who the winner is because with the nature of podcasts, I have to record this a couple of weeks in advance for my producer to be able to get it onto iTunes. So I can't actually announce the winner live on the show, which kind of sucks. But by the time the show comes around and you're listening to this right now, I have written the name of the winner over on the show notes. So if you're a bit excited to see whether that might be you, please head over there. And if it's not, I just want to remind you that that water filter, the Waters Co Biopot 500, which is a 5.2 litre glass reservoir, remineralizing, fluoride removing, pesticide residue removing, chlorine removing, uh, heavy metal removing, bacteria removing filter is $125 off this month on Nourished Life for us. So instead of $699, it's down to $575 and your investment is a four-year investment after which you spend $300. 
$20 on the cartridge to refill, which is going to last you another 44 years. So you're literally from this moment on only spending $80 a year on water filtration of the highest quality. So I think that's pretty awesome. And, uh, and of course, Nourish Life has been a great show supporter. Lots of people have been telling me that they're enjoying the Loyalty Club already, which is great. Don't forget to join up. We have those amazing, uh, well, I think they're amazing, low-tox packs that I've produced with some of my favourite things from the store. So you've got a great saving on those. Um, if you want to go check those out, I've got all of them in the show notes. And yeah, let's kick into today's show, shall we? Hello, Kirsty. How are you? I'm good, Alex. How are you going today? I am awesome. Thank you. And so excited, of course, to have you back on the show. We said we'd do this and here we are. And so I think there are three things I want to talk to you about today. First, I want to get the lowdown on your incredible US trip with your beautiful boy and how that went. Then we've got some community questions, just a few, and I think it'd be really great to to actually both chat about um, our responses to those because I've got some ideas as well. And then um, the kind of like piece de resistance of today's show, Parasites, a really sexy topic, but I know you've got loads to say about them. <laughs> so um, we're going to attack that today, pun intended. So the US, tell us about, because if you don't know Kirsty's personal story, I'm not going to get her to tell it again today. Please go back to show 42. It is crucial listening for everybody. Um, so, And she shares her story in detail there. But Kirsty, why did you go on this specific trip? What were your goals for your beautiful little man and um, what did you hope to achieve? Yeah, well, I went over to the US to a functional neurology clinic in Dallas um, called the Cerebrum Health Center. Mm -hmm. And what I wanted to do was, firstly, I wanted to get some testing done for Noah that I couldn't access here with regards to some of his underlying autoimmune conditions that he's got. So I wanted just to get some more information. I mean, as you know, I'm big on get the test done, get the information don't stab around in the dark. And so I really wanted to keep moving forward with finding out more information. But I also know that Noah's got um, some autoimmune conditions that actually cross his blood-brain barrier mm -hmm. and they hit the basal ganglia area in our brain, which is just at the base of the brain. And that area modulates our emotions, our mood, our, um, our movement control. And our emotions, it's, it, you know, it's such a big part of who we are as a person. And unfortunately, because of Noah's infections that he has had as a child, that area has been, um, you know, it, it's been broken down from the toxins from his gut. So what we wanted to do was go over there to have a look, you know, how is his brain going? Um, because we've worked so hard on opening up those neural pathways and nourishing the brain and getting the mitochondria to have more energy so his brain can function better. But I wanted to, first of all, find out what his brain was doing and secondly, use all this super cool stuff over there to help <laughs> make that happen. So, you, so it sounds like you guys were ready for some data. Like, you know, you, yep. can, you can yep. do a lot of beautiful lifestyle work and, and feeling as you go and then sometimes you hit a bit of a plateau and you just want some data to help you go to the next step. Is that pretty much what went down for you? Absolutely. Yeah. And and you've hit the nail on the head. Like, you know, lifestyle's awesome, food's awesome. We can always do better but we, we really have been working on that. So this was that sort of next 
step up because it's always a growth and a journey. And, you know, the coolest thing was that we learnt that, um, you know, his vestibular system, which is obviously our balance and how we regulate so much of our body, was it wasn't tracking in mm. unison. It was completely out of balance. And so um, they have this machine over there called the OVARD machine and it literally is something out of NASA. You sit in this little seat and it's in this, um, you know, big sort of glass, um, you know, little pod and it it flips you upside down and spins you round and round and it stimulates that vestibular system. And so we had obviously the pre-diagnostics to look at Noah's eyes and they tell you how the brain is working is it working in unison so are those eyes tracking together or are they actually tracking separately and if they are it shows that the right and the left brain are are on a completely different planet and not working together (laughs) yeah and that was certainly happening with Noah they were completely um you know different and they weren't working in unison and they were jittery you know on the labs it was up and down up and down up and down and so the OVARD system or the OVARD you know, flipped him around and he would have to look at this dot and recite the alphabet backwards and do cross-crawl movements. And and it was fascinating to then get the labs done at the end of the two weeks and literally see his eyes coming together and that brain starting to work in unison again and fire up those new neural pathways. So, um, you know, there was other things I do that, you know, electro electronic magnetic stimulation and all sorts of different things just to fire up that brain again so it doesn't think, oh, we we learn how to, you know, think in this particular way mm. and so I'm not going to learn any other way. Now, when Noah developed, he had a lot of infections and a lot of injuries that really hurt his brain and so he developed patterns to accommodate that. Right. And now he's feeling really good. We've got to open up new patterns. We've got to really, really, you know, hit that brain to provide oxygen and support and new neural pathways. So he has a new story to write within his um, pathways. So it was pretty cool and, of course, it was really awesome for me to meet a functional neurologist and find out more cool stuff so I could bring it home and share it with people. And my latest podcast, oh, sorry, latest Facebook post on the Oximeter is a mm-hmm. must for all your listeners to go over there and look at it. It was a really cool tool that I learned um, about measuring your heart rate and, you know, your fight or flight mode and um, your stress levels and how food affects you. So, um, yeah, it was it was really cool, really, really cool. Awesome. And these sorts of trips are trips that not the average everyday Joe can either afford to take time, afford to take money. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, it, it can be quite a, a challenge to know that you would benefit or your child would benefit if they're on the spectrum uh, or have a multitude of um, health challenges. Like to know that this exists and to not be able to access it, could you just share like – a couple of things that people could support their child with that you learned that are really practical, really simple, and people can do at home for free? Because I saw some amazing, you know, Instagrams and Facebooks that you did where it looked like a whole bunch of stuff was just beautiful, simple exercises even to bring more oxygen to the brain. Could you share like your favorite couple that people could even just start from today at home? 
Yeah, absolutely. And and you're absolutely right. You know, Alex, I've had to sell my house and all sorts of stuff to be <laughs> I able know to. how dedicated you are to this yeah. cause. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I do feel like it's, it's really my mission in life to, to gather this information so I, it, it can get out to all of our crew so then they don't have to sell their house and go and access it. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely an important part of my work and lots of what we did over there was that sort of simplistic stuff. So the biggest thing is if you want to um, access and try and get your brain and your nervous system and your vestibular system to work, go and gargle. Gargling activates so many different functions in the body that impacts the brain and I reckon there's about, you know, half of the people that are listening to this would be saying, I can't gargle. No, I've never been able to do that. Oh, now, wow. that will tell you something. What does it so, tell you? Well, it tells you that um, a lot of your nervous system isn't connecting up to your brain and it's weak and, you know, that there's, you know, once again, that balance, that vestibular system is out of whack. So go and check it out. When was the last time you gargled? How do I you know? It. Yeah, and of course, singing is a very similar concept to gargling in the fact that it activates those cords that are going to activate that nervous system. So definitely that's the first thing. Playing a musical instrument uses both sides of the brain and both sides of the body. So if you're sitting down at a piano, you're activating both sides of the body in unison. They have to work together. So learning an instrument is going to be such a wonderful way, or not even learning, sit down and bang out something on a piano and sing and gargle at the same time. Imagine what you'll do for your brain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing myself so, hanging up from yeah. you, heading straight to my keyboard because I, I do play the piano, belting out a good old Billy Joel tune and um, singing it from the top of my lungs and yeah. then, you know, soothing my throat with a nice little saltwater gargle at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> and a little brain tonic in the middle of the day. Yeah, I'm yeah. excited. Yeah, and all good fun. Yeah, you know, totally. like it, all this stuff should just be good fun. Now, the other thing is we want to activate both sides of the body so the brain can work in unison. So, crawling. I know this sounds silly, but get down and start crawling again. Really? If you're, to yeah. And if you're into Pilates, which you should be, but you know, <laughs> if you can get along to some Pilates, you know, just you know, the left leg and the right arm, push it back or, you know, pull it forward and opposite. So lots of crawling, lots of opposites. Now, Noah never crawled. He literally scooted around a little bit mm. and then he was, within a week, he was just up and walking. So, of course, I'm like, oh, this genius child. So child. Advanced. Yeah. Yeah, so advanced. But then at the age of four, when we went, um, you know, and had, you know, got some OT, we had to go back and just start crawling with him again for hours at a time every day to stimulate all of those different parts of the brain, the different muscles, all of those sorts of things. So, you know, if you've got kids, literally get down and play all those hilarious games and chasing and races and pretending that you're an animal. And if you're an adult, at-home Pilates classes that do activate um, both sides of the body is very important. And then um, planking is really cool. So once oh, again, that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that um, that core, mm. it really, it, you know, people do go on about it for a reason. Yeah, they do. Has so, yeah. So 
um, planking is important. And the other thing that I learned was oxygen, 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 oxygen. So breathing, being out in nature. I've actually started taking an oxygen supplement, so some little drops, mm-hmm. which has been really beneficial. Oh, um, yeah, Health Force does those. Yeah. I'll pop a link in the show notes for people if yeah. you're interested. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, there's nothing better than going for a bushwalk out in nature and getting some oxygen. Mm. So, yeah, they, they would be my top tips. I mean, not everyone has an ovard in their backyard and can be, you know, flipped upside down. Yeah. They, they will do just as wonderful job. Yeah, beautiful. And I think we can all kind of have sort of uh, grass is greener syndrome when we see people hacking their health in really extraordinary ways on the internet and think, oh, well, you know, I might as well give up because I just don't have access to that sort of a machine or this sort of a thing. So I think that's so important that we then extrapolate what the things are that we can do every day that do make such a huge difference. Um, Yeah. And that's so many things and so many simple, accessible things. So that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Climb a tree, hang off the monkey bars, like all of that kind of stuff. We have very, very free direct access to it. So no excuses. It doesn't have to be fancy. That's right. And we don't have to totally forget some of the joy, those simple joys of childhood. I think that's, Mm. for me, something that just keeps coming back at the moment. Do not stop being your inner child and and seeing like wonder, curiosity, climbing, all those sorts of things because it actually just not only brings you so much joy, it makes you feel younger and it feeds your brain. Like what could be better? Mm -hmm. Mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So you come home. You look at Noah, you interact with him, you you hang out because you're his mum, so that's happening a lot. So that just sounded really weird. Um, (laughs) What do you feel has been the most noticeable thing for him in terms of his daily life? Yeah, so definitely the most noticeable has been actually remembering people's names. So he um, has always had trouble remembering people's names. He'll know who they are, but, you know, he's just, oh, who was that again? It's like, your father, you know. <laughs> so, oh, goodness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, not that bad. But, you know, he'd have to meet someone quite a few times to really remember their name. And so even over there, um, after the first sort of three or four days, we'd notice that he was remembering his, um, you know, teacher's names and his therapist's names. So that's been enormous. He's been able to question more. So, mum, like, why was I sick? And why do we do that? And why do the planes do this? And why, you know, is the, the world round? And so that thought process, he's accessing different sort of areas of his brain to really start to question. So, um, you know, that obviously means that other parts of his brain that have had problems like that emotional regulation and movement and but they've calmed down so then he can those neural pathways can move forward into the different parts of our brain that allow us to question and have thought and you know create these amazing hypotheses about life and understanding it so certainly have noticed that and yeah more more about wanting to be more creative with his little games. Like he loves to create little characters and, you know, he gets all his plushies out and talks to them and, you know, and so he's far more interested in um, really expanding that um, imagination. And, and developing a little plot line with all his little plushies and things like that, yeah. 
And it's such a joy to listen to your little person do things like that. I, I, it's one of my favourite things. My little guy's eight now and I have a feeling there's like there's a bit of a capped ceiling on how long that's going to go on for still. But every now and then he'll he'll be getting them all out and making up all sorts of stories. So I just feel so excited in my heart that you get to experience that with your little guy too because it's just such a beautiful thing. Oh, yeah, because mm. he literally would just line up his toys and that would be it. He'd have sort of no next sort of thought process about, you know, he'd say to him, oh, why don't you, why doesn't this guy, you know, he, he, he wants to go off and have a race with this guy and, you know, it just, it, he couldn't piece the thoughts together yeah. because he's, you know, had had so many traumas to it. So, yeah, we've certainly seen and, of course, with all of these new changes, he's been unsettled and, he started to really question about what's happened in his life and he's been able to articulate that. And so mm. it's been sad moments for him too. Um, why, you know, why has this happened and why have I been so sick and all those sorts of things. So we've been able to really help him to break down the trauma that's happened over these years and hopefully that will really help him grow as a person. And once again, we only see them as benefits and utilise them for now you've got this resilience that not many kids learn because they've never had such trauma so let's use that and and sort of run with it as a wonderful way that you can then apply that to different parts of your life and so yeah it's been a great learning um, tool for us to help him grow. Mm. And what a lesson that the brain that we have today is not the brain necessarily that we have tomorrow Um, and that can be a good thing or a bad thing depending on you know the choices that we make of course but like it's it's you're never sentenced to exactly what you're experiencing today. It is, it is a, a, a thing that can change, which is just um, it's just amazing. I mean, it makes complete sense when you break it down. But you know, science so far has thought that you know we're born with that many brain cells and then they start to die, and it's just not true. We can access parts of our brain we've never accessed. We can improve memory. We can all sorts. It's amazing. Yeah, it, it is absolutely amazing. So, yeah, watch this space. I mean, he uh, has also created new behaviours of pranking everyone and being very cheeky and naughty and taking <laughs> off and doing all sorts of things. I'm like, well, you are a boy and that's all. <laughs> so, you know, um, it, it's nice, though, that he's being silly and doing those things because that's just kids. Yeah, and, totally. Um, and I like to see that too, even though as as we all know, as mums, you take a deep breath and like, dude, you're supposed to be at school and I'm like chasing you up a tree. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds pretty normal to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that was never my normal, so it's, it's lovely. Yeah, that I, exactly. I now, I now have similar issues that other mums have as opposed to dealing with a child that's vomiting and diarrhoea and, that's, you know, not breathing. That's so awesome. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, yeah. that's just so awesome. It's great. Yeah. Climb the tree. Yeah. Yep, we'll be late. No worries. All good. Exactly. Yeah. Total exactly. gratitude. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So thank you so much for sharing about that because I know a lot of um, people who started following your work after the show 42 that we first did together have been have been really keen to see how you got on. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Some really amazing yeah. stuff. Now, sorry to interrupt, Alex. Just no. on that, I'm working with the Cerebrum crew, and we're, uh, crew and we're putting a little video together. Oh, are of you? The top, yeah, the top three things 
you can do at home that I learned over there, which was the cross call and the gargling and the planks and stuff. So um, stay tuned because um, I just wanted to, you know, be able to put that together so people can try it at home. So. Yeah, beautiful. We'll pop a um, – well, this, by the time we go live, will be October. So hopefully by then we'll be able to pop it in the show notes. Ah, awesome. Yeah. Now, we had a few community questions because I did mention that we were having a chat today and um, and I said, you know, has anyone got a burning question for Kirsty? And there were a few. Um, so we're going to rapid fire on these and I would love to hear your thoughts um, on uh, the answers. And I'm, I'm going to start with what does your typical day on a plate look like? Oh, goodness me. So very similar to you, Alex. Greens, greens, greens. Vegetables, vegetables, vegetables. I definitely start my day and load it up with some really good quality fats because I need my brain to work a fair bit working with at culture wellness. So mm. I um, I actually do enjoy a bulletproof coffee, but I will put turmeric and bone broth. I'll put so even some herbs in there just, um, you know, for adrenals or Whatever's going on, really, like I, it's almost like I have a look, okay, I feel like this today. So I think, you know, I'm going to use some different types of herbs to access how I'm feeling for that day. I use beautiful quality butter um, to help, you know, with that butyric acid and help um, to cool the inflammation down. So I'll generally have that. I really like to fast. So I do quite a lot of intermittent fasting. So I might not eat until about 2 o'clock um, in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And that'll then that'll then look like. But you do have the coffee in the morning. Yes, I do have with the, the coffee fats. In the morning. Yeah, with the fats. Yeah. So how does that, that work with fasting? I've always been confused on this point because isn't that breaking yes. a fast because you're putting nutrients into the body? Right. So what it will do is if you had um, so if you put gelatin or collagen or any form of protein or carbohydrates into that coffee, mm-hmm. that will break the fast. Okay. But. If you just have fats in the coffee, that will um, still sort of simulate that fasting process. Okay. Yeah. Mm. And and then, you know, it depends for me. Like if I'm feeling like, wow, it's going to be a big day, I put the protein in there and I decide that, you know, I don't need to fast today. So there's no, it's go by feel, um, which is very, very important rather than that, um, oh, my gosh, I'm so tired today. But it's fasting day and I, you know. Have to push on. To, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to push my body like that um, Do you know, anymore. I've, I've got, I've just had oh, a thought. You know how so many women, unfortunately, still have like vast perfume connection, uh, perfume collections. And I'm thinking back to my early 20s when I worked in the fragrance industry and I had a ridiculous perfume collection. And you would wake up and based on how you felt, you would choose a perfume. Wouldn't it be amazing if we felt that same sense of empowerment towards our food choices and health during the day? Wouldn't that just be amazing? (laughs) I think I've just totally nailed the analogy I've been looking for forever to explain just how simple it is when you look at your Mm -hmm. day, when you look at your pantry, when you feel your energy, when you look at how much you've got on and you go by feel. How enlightening would that be if everybody just felt that sense of power? Absolutely. And, you know, you you get to know your body. Mm. So I know that if I'm having a sedentary day, doing more sort of sit-down work, um, I don't need much fuel. Mm. I really don't. So I'll fuel my brain with those good quality fats in the morning. But that's, you know, I don't need to, you know, be having all this other food. My body and my gut, you know, just doesn't need it. It wants to be focused and alert. 
But then, um, yeah, but some other days if I'm, you know, running around after the kids, we're going up a mountain or I'm taking them rock climbing or we're going down the beach or then I have to fuel my body completely differently. Mm. And there will need to be, you know, some vegetables and carbohydrates in the morning and some proteins and all of that kind of stuff. So absolutely, you wake up and what does my body need from me today? What kind of stress levels are there? What kind of exertion is there? And and when you sort of start to get in tune, um, it, it, yeah, it becomes pretty easy. It, it takes does. some time. Yeah, it does. Sure. I agree. And um, yeah. back to our chat um, a couple of months ago, it's also important that if you feel like it, you, it's a what does my body need today and it's a craving situation, it's like a – uh, potatoes, 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 potatoes kind of situation, then there's probably a bacterial reason you're you're having yes. that much of a feeling. So head back to show 42 where we talk about that in more detail. Yeah, yeah. If you're listening to your body and it's telling you to eat donuts and chips, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that's what those bugs are telling you to do. I feel so, so in tune. I just, you know, yeah. crispy cream. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was certainly a time that that was me. So that's why I'm laughing so loud. Is, yeah. Oh, man, I really need those shortbreads today. It's been a big day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really. And you did mm. not. Yeah. Um, so how on that point of um, you mentioning intermittent fasting, then one of the questions from the community was how does intermittent fasting affect the gut microbiome? Does it influence it um, in any way? What are your thoughts there? Oh, my goodness, there's so much confusion, yeah. even this week. This week's been a big week, intermittent fasting and, and you know, it's going to ruin the gut and this and this and this. And um, once again, it's all about moderation and understanding the complete picture of multiple days. So if you don't feed those beautiful little microbes in your gut, they will eventually die mm. and that will impact your gut microbiome. So if you fasted for two weeks straight, it's going to impact your gut microbiome because they're beautiful, you know, vegetable fibres and prebiotics and, you know, obviously fermented foods. That's what your gut loves and so it needs it. But intermittent fasting is basically where, you know, you just don't eat for 14 to 16 hours and that's a wonderful thing for your gut. It has a rest. It mm. cools any um, inflammation that might be there down, enables, it starves out those poor microbes and it just gives the body a break and also what it does is when you're not digesting food, that energy is going to the brain or the immune system or it's going to different parts of the body that needs it. Mm. Whereas if you're constantly digesting food because, oh, I've got to feed my gut microbiome. <laughs> not much, there's not much energy left over for the rest of the body. Yeah, that's right. So we've got to look at everything as a whole and we've got to look at all the different parts in unison as one. So um, that's a very, very important concept. So, yes, like um, when I don't eat until 2 o'clock, you know, my, my gut microbiome's not getting fed, but after 2 o'clock, I'm going to feed it some prebiotic vegetables and some yogurt. I'm going to nourish it with some, you know, meat fibers, get some resistant starch in there, and then it's going to be nourished. But the amount of beautiful, you know, nourishment that those microbes need, once again, isn't much. Mm. So we don't need to be, you know, 
eating constantly to fuel our gut microbiome. So I think it influences it wonderfully. I think it's very important. In a really healthy way, yeah. And um, it's interesting you brought up the fact that it then gives your body time to work on other systems and and build those up and balance hormones out and do all those wonderful things. We, at at the time of recording this, it'll be done long gone by now um, when it goes live, but we're doing our beautiful Thrive Raising Kids Who Love Real Food course. And so many parents struggle with the, my child is asking for food all the time. And... um, you know, five minutes after breakfast, it's something else, then it's something else. And it's, it, I love just breaking down that explanation of the body's got work to do in all parts. And if we just keep it doing the work in the tummy, because that's all the work it gets to do, because we keep giving it food, then it doesn't mm. get to build your clever brain, your strong muscles and all the other things that keep you um, doing all the things you want to do and going on your play dates and climbing the monkey bars. And you just explain it really simply and kids really get it. They appreciate the information and um yeah and remind yeah, them they do. yeah and you remind yeah. them at breakfast you know okay this is it until lunchtime do you want another piece of something now cuz we're done and and to yeah. feel to feel okay setting that boundary as a parent as well is something i've come to uncover a lot of parents really struggle with but we're there to bring them into this world not the other way around so mm. yeah anyway tangent yeah, but i think it's important <laughs> But it's very important and also if they are hungry afterwards, why is that happening? Why, yeah. You know, and it's um, often they're bored mm-hmm. or often they actually haven't digested the food and so their nutrients is a bit low mm. and so they need to eat more because they're trying to top up that nutrient or they're a bit, you know, oh, goodness me, it's a big day coming up. I'm a bit anxious about going to school. So let's sit down and do some breathing and let's bring that body back into feeling really calm again and all of those sorts of things can also have an impact and like you said you know slowly but surely as an education unpacking that for them like sometimes mum feels hungry after but it's probably because I didn't really sit down and eat every bite and rush through my breakfast and you know and that's sometimes what happens or you know, those sorts of things and helping them to become aware of it really does. It, it, it sort of changes things and um, certainly if there's not enough fat for breakfast for kids. Totally, you know, I, yeah. You know, often Noah will, um, this is hilarious and your viewers will just, what? But he will <laughs> literally just eat butter for breakfast. That really? That will be his breakfast and he'll scoot off to school with that. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. And then his brain is ready to go and he's not thinking about where's that next bit of carbohydrate and glucose and insulin going to come from. Yeah. He's just ready. Yeah. No so, panic. No, no. Mm. So it's um, play around with mm. it. But anyway, we've, sorry, tangent number 24. <laughs> we were always going to tangent. It's all good. <laughs> um, so a question on, on gut healing. You've obviously mentioned it a couple of times so far already and we're going to go into parasites soon, which is definitely all about that. It seems that all intensive gut healing protocols these days involve um, the removal of grains. Uh, Some people recommend doing it permanently. Some people say temporarily while you're in your healing process. What are your views on how that's come about? What's the main research that you feel is important to help people understand why that is? Okay. So, gosh, where do you, how do you break that down? I know, it's a big topic. Yeah. It's actually a podcast episode in itself, but like... yes. 
Yeah. So many people are trying to find information in the confusing landscape of the internet. And I reckon if we can just do a little two minute, this is why, and it's that simple. um, Yeah. You know, because it is in in essence. It is super, super simple. The first thing is starches and grains are very high in carbohydrates and they will feed microbes or pathogenic microbes. So most of us have got someone living in there that we need to balance out. And so if we are constantly feeding a parasite or a virus or an infection or a bacterial overgrowth with starches, which is their fuel, that's what they love, that's what they multiply on, if we keep feeding them that, we're not going to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. And you just will not be successful. And there's nothing worse than trying your best and you, you, you're not successful in what you want to do. And it's, it's not your fault. It's just that those guys are still surviving, multiplying and thriving. So that's the number one. Who, you know, what do those guys live off? And just don't feed them that. Mm. The second thing is that grains are really hard to digest. Grains and nuts and seeds are really hard to digest. And if you have gut problems, your digestion is going to be quite weak and it's not going to be possible for you to digest, um, you know, tricky to digest foods. The body will be tired and then undigested food will then pass through into the gut microbiome and once again will feed those pathogens. And so, um, you know, unless you're soaking your seed, you know, of grains and you're, you know, making a sourdough out of them and fermenting them and real traditional practices on how we should eat grains, it's pretty hard to digest them. Mm. Now, grains... Have, and nuts and seeds and all sorts of, um, you know, those di- different elements, they have what's called phytic acid around them. Yeah. Now, that phytic acid is there so the birds don't eat them. So yeah. it's it's poison. Yeah, literally. So yeah. Why are we eating that if the birds turn their noses up to it? So we don't want to be eating phytic acid because what happens is it, of course, burns holes in our gut wall, which is then kind of the opposite of what we need to be doing. And secondly, it um, drains all of our zinc and our B6, and we need heaps of zinc to um, create stomach acid, to line our gut, to give us, um, you know, balance our moods and, of course, help our immune system to be thriving. So if you're eating something that's actually pulling nutrients out of your body, you're not going to get very far. You want to be eating things that, you know, fill up that bucket and dump nutrients in. Mm. So, so you know, it really does impact on multiple levels. You and know, it, sorry, go for it. No, no, I was just, I was just going to recap. It will feed the pathogens. It will, you know, obviously poor digestion, and it will also, um, you know, withdraw nutrients from our body. Mm. And that's just the top three. Yeah, <laughs> good. Let's yeah, just stay I with the top further. three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it makes perfect sense, and that you just take that stress away from your body while you're healing your body. Then though, what if someone's gut is back on track, super healthy, pooping like a trooper, everything's going well? Um, What does a healthy balance look like then to you? Is this, you know, because for me, I don't know, I just think if you do prepare those grains well and traditionally and break them down and make sure that phytate is um, dissipated, 
I, I can't see it being a huge harm a few times a week to have a small serve of, of this and that. What, what are your views? Uh, without a doubt, I, I think it's absolutely beneficial because, of course, those um, nutrients feed our gut microbiome. Exactly. The so, good guys as well, right? Yeah, yeah. So when you get to that beautiful state where everything's all lined up, your your body's robust, it can digest, you've got some, finally got some, you know, awesome beneficial dudes living in there that need to be fed, there is nothing better than having very well prepared grains, you know, legumes and, you know, making sure that once again that, you know, obviously you sit down in a calm state to digest them, but I think it's absolutely wonderful. Now, for some people, genetically, some people don't do too well um, eating a lot of carbohydrates. But that can so like, often be the lectins, though, can't it? It can be the lectins, but they also can be that they literally have um, an inability to break down carbohydrates into the usable source that it needs. And so they might end up storing um, excess you know, weight on the body. And mm. so once again... All moderation on the days when you get up and you're going to be super active. Yeah, go, go for you know a beautiful you know fermented sourdough or fermented sort of grains, um, bread or whatever you're going to have some quinoa or whatever. So, um, and on the days when you're going to be more sedentary, there's no need for so much. So mm. it comes back to the, the perfume analogy. Yeah, what am I doing today, and what's what's my perfume for that? So, yeah, but unfortunately, there's not too many crew that I've met that you know, it can go straight to having those things without going through some sort of gut healing process. Yeah, well, it's the nature of today, isn't it, from all the environmental yeah. toxins, from the rise in Caesar births, now before anyone freaks out and calls me an anti-medicine um, person. <laughs> I had an emergency Caesar myself, if you don't know that story, and um, and I thank, uh, thank the higher powers for modern medicine because my baby and I were brought through that process safely but it's it does impact you know it impacts because we're not passing on great gut flora to our little ones and and then sometimes the issues with breastfeeding and we could go on and on and on about then the processed food why generationally we're starting to experience all these huge gut troubles now but we have to wake up and say, you know what, there's some healing to do. doesn't mean we can't have a piece of sourdough toast in a year or two but for now mm -hmm. you know maybe that's just not the right thing. Mm -hmm. Love and it. there's other amazing foods that you can explore and enjoy and have in the process. It's not, um, you know, it's not like it's over to the cardboard. Exactly. So, uh, That's yeah. right. And yeah. I, think, I think it can be one of the biggest blessings. You know, I've seen so many thousands of people learn how to cook because they've had to limit their diet in some way for the first time. You know, so if we try to see that it's discovery rather than deprivation, then some really beautiful stuff can come out of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I could not agree with you more. Absolutely. Now, diatomaceous earth seems to be quite trendy at the moment. Thoughts? Useful? So for parasites, mm. absolutely. It's oh, how's that for the segue question? Love it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. So it's, um, you know, it's like these little sort of ninjas or these little shards that go down and break up the um you know the parasites and the worms and they and take it straight through so i think it's absolutely amazing I, there is a disclaimer that i'm going to put out there that if you have a very inflamed gut mm -hmm. and you know it's pretty hard to know 
you know, see if you've got an inflamed gut because it's inside. But if you get a lot of pain or, you know, lots of sort of diarrhea or things are really, really um, sort of, yeah, inflamed and you diatomaceous earth can be quite tough for you. Mm-hmm. So I think, it, you, of course, with everything, you um, make sure it's right for you. Um, some of my clients, we have to wait for a little while until we use it just to make sure that all of that inflammation has cooled down. But um, once again, we're going to go on to parasites, so it's important to sort of talk about the fact that parasites, of course, need to be excreted from the body, which is diatomaceous earth, mm-hmm. but they give off lots of um, horrible, horrible toxin one including ammonia and so you also in conjunction with diatomaceous earth need to make sure that you're using a mopping up agent to deal with the toxins as well so diatomaceous earth is not the be all and end all it's in in your toolkit to help um you know break break down those parasites and get them out and then in conjunction with those other binding agents Right. And so given we're just about to go into parasites, I feel like this is we're reverse engineering it by starting with healing. But obviously there are so many choices with mopping up agents. There's zeolites, there's charcoal, there's bentonite clay. I mean, I could go on. But do you have any particular favourites or is it a case of different ones working in different situations? Yeah. So activated charcoal is amazing in the gut. Mm. So it's really, really good in the gut. So if you know that your parasites are um, more sort of honed in on what's going on in your gut, then and you've really only got those symptoms of bloating and gas and diarrhea and those kinds of things, activated charcoal is going to be awesome for you. Mm-hmm. If you're that person that's the brain fog and memory loss and rashes and extreme fatigue, which, you know, basically the toxins have really infiltrated different systems in the body, then you might be better off using something like um, bentonite clay or a zeolite. So they are more sort of active throughout the body mm-hmm. and they bind, they bind to the different types of toxins. And um, I'm a big fan of chlorella as well for that. So... Once again, um, a combination, it's very rare for someone just to have their symptoms isolated to their gut. Mm. So a combination of the two. So our clients will have charcoal during the day for their gut and clay before they go to bed at night to mop up anything that happens overnight. And then obviously chlorella during the day is needed. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And I've got actually a great binder option that I'll pop in the show notes um, that actually does a combination of all because as you say often it's not just in the gut it's those little suckers have gone everywhere so (laughs) so how do we contract these little guys let's get into it where is it just talk to us about like some of the main um, exposures yeah look really you know you can get them from animals you can get them from kids I mean Kids are amazing. They'll stick their hands in their bum <laughs> and then they'll pull them back out again and they'll come over and give you a cuddle and then they'll put their finger up, you know, <laughs> and there you go. You know, <laughs> so it's like, oh, you know, when people say, oh, my gosh, I've never travelled to Bali. How could I have got this? And then you're like, well, remember when we went to Fred's house and he had a dog and your kid patted the dog and then put their hand in their bum and off we went. Yeah. So it's life, you yeah. know. It's just life. 
And so we can contract them from all sorts of different um, avenues. And, you know, obviously, they, you know, they can lay eggs and, um, you know, once once they, if someone had it on their hands and they put their hand on the sink or, the, you know, the door handle or anything like that, it's going to happen. So, and please do not freak out and go and live in a bubble and spray everything with um, Dettol or something. That's mm. not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that a resilient microbiome and, um, you know, and doing a couple of parasite cleanses a year will, will deal with this, but we are exposed to it very, very easily. They can come at us from all angles. Yeah. And so basically there's a probability that we'll get it in our lifetime. Um, yeah. Are, are there any parasites that actually live peacefully within us or is it their job to multiply, multiply and cause havoc? So some parasites can happily live within our bodies and, you know, you're asymptomatic. Nothing's going to happen. And that will be because you've got a really robust gut microbiome that has protected you. Mm. So it just keeps, keeps them where they should be and in check. And also it, there are certain cultures and certain tribes that they actually have parasites that are very beneficial for them. Mm. So um, in some places there's, um, you know, there's a, a tribe and the name escapes me which tribe, it may come back to me, but basically they have this amazing tuba that they dig down and they pull it up and they eat that tuba. Now it's a very hard starch, very hard to digest. So those parasites digest it for them. Mm. So they live in this beautiful synergy with each other. They can't live on that land in that environment and digest that food that's available to them without that parasite. Beautiful. Wow. Whereas, yeah, whereas we're more urban in the way we live and we certainly haven't got a microbiome that is adjusted to our landscape like, you know, traditional cultures. So um, there's not many parasites now that work, you know, in that symbiotic nature with us, um, but it's more about making sure that we have the right resilient environment that if they do come along, you know, things don't turn pear-shaped within days. Right. Um, yeah. So uh, to answer your question, yes, they can, but um, in sort of that sort of living in that sort of urban landscape, we don't really want too many in there that are overgrown mm. so and then first signs tend to be gut related but what are some of the other signs that can tell us we've got a parasite issue because there's some pretty nasty ones oh they're absolutely and you know that's the thing they can be confused with you know crohn's or ibs or um you know significant behavior issues anxiety Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hello. Yep, tachycardia, yep. absolutely. <laughs> you know, hives and rashes and acne and brain fog's a classic one. Um, parasites literally can can kind of confuse doctors, I think. I think they really can because um, they they infiltrate so many systems and so suddenly it's, you know, you, you went to Bali, you got diatomaceous fragilius, you came home, Suddenly, boom, I'm seeing a psychologist, I've got anxiety. Suddenly, oh, now I'm off to the gastro specialist because, you know, I've had chronic diarrhea or constipation. And now I'm going to the dermatologist because what's the deal with all this acne on mm. my face? Yeah. And then now I've got to go and see a specialist because I've got all these food sensitivities. Suddenly I can't eat grains anymore. I can't digest, you know, carbohydrates. So 
before we start going down that rabbit hole of accessing all those amazing specialists that we need, mm. possibly have a look. I've just travelled. It all happened so quickly. Possibly do I have a parasite. Mm. Yeah, my son had dying to fragilis in, I think he was about three and a half, four. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we obviously tried natural remedies first um, and cleansing, but it just wasn't enough and we needed to hit it with an antibiotic. And I think that's what they're for when we need them. And uh, and it was just amazing to see him stop being doubled over in pain in the space of two days. So they really can significantly impact health. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, like everyone was saying, maybe he's got appendicitis. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's the parasite. <laughs> um, but that was only because, you know, I'm just an out-of-the-box nerd who who researches this stuff and so is aware of the possibility of things rather than heading straight for a, a common um, assumption of what something might be. So I think it's... Uh, it's an incredible thing to think that you could be getting tachycardia symptoms and, you know, being given the runaround, seeing cardiologists and no one finding anything. Um, and just because no one finds something doesn't mean you can't be validated somehow else. And so mm. often for people it will end up being some sort of strange virus slash parasite slash mold illness, you know, sears, all sorts of things it can be. Mm. And so when when it comes time to diagnosing exactly what these little suckers are, because that can be part of the problem, especially with the testing that different countries have available, sometimes the tests aren't as extensive as elsewhere. What are your favourite diagnostic tools that you guys have worked with in the clinic to help people identify what was up? Okay, so the first thing is, some of the, um, well, there's tests that you can just access through your GP mm. that will be, you know, paid for through Medicare that will pick up things like defragilis or mm. blasto or some of those, I call them big guns. Yeah. So certainly that first step is just to access, um, you know, those those tests that we, we can have. So that would be the first thing that I would do. Sometimes they hide and sometimes they're very hard to find and you need to go from something more sort of elaborate like um, an identification of um, a PCR testing. Now, that just means that we look within the body at their, their DNA and you find you can find them a bit more easily. Mm-hmm. So you would use, um, you know, work with your practitioner to use, uh, you know, uh, something like Biscreen, which is the main company or lab that we use. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of using something like Biscreen is not only do you find out the parasites that could possibly be living in there, you're also going to get a really good understanding of, okay, who are my beneficial microbes that are living in there? Mm. And, you know, is that the reason why these parasites have really taken over? Because maybe I don't have enough Mm. of those good good soldiers to crowd them out and to protect myself. And I think that's such an amazing um, piece of information for you to go, right, these beneficial microbes are actually either missing or they're so low that they're not really defending me. So I've got to work on that in conjunction with finding out about these parasites. So I I do need to say that we can find out about parasites and beneficial microbes, but we can't at the moment unless you have, like one of my clients, a um, microscope at home with (laughs) all of the testing. You, You can't find out about worms. Right. They're very hard to test. Mm. And worms 
do, you know, they're just as horrific as parasites. And, of course, if you've got a kid that sleeps with their bum in the air, you've got a kid that goes a little bit, you know, crazy around the full moon and they're scratching their bottom, they're, you know, ringing in the ears and their jaws are going at a million miles an hour, you need to assume that there could be worms there, but we can't test for those, um, you know, you know the, the testing that we use for the parasite. So once again, as all generations have, right back to traditional tribal times, just do a little, you know, twice yearly cleanse for, you know, like a week or two mm. just to make sure that they don't overgrow. And what does that cleanse look like? So it really depends on the condition of the person. <laughs> so yeah. If you're pretty healthy and let's use that example again, you've just gone overseas and you've come back and, you know, you're, you're off mm. and you haven't kind of recovered. That cleanse is going to look like using some amazing antimicrobials like, you know, wormwood and black walnut um, and taking some beautiful herbs. Obviously, you're going to change your diet so you're not going to be feeding and, um, you know, enabling them to multiply at the same time. Mm. And you would also make sure that you're not reinfecting yourself. So, you know, making sure that the hygiene is really, really stitched up to break that cycle. So you're, you're washing things with soapy water and you're changing the sheets and you're putting them out into the direct sunlight to kill them off. And, you know, obviously you're washing your hands and you're just being careful for that period of time whilst you're getting rid of them. But, um, you know, a classic parasite cleanse um, doesn't have to be very, um, you know, long and it doesn't have to be sort of this arduous process. But for someone who's had issues for a while, you might have to do it for a couple of months. You would have to do some biofilm work to break down the little protective layer that houses them there so they can hide and we went into biofilms last time we did um, at, yeah so what was it 42 i've read yep, <laughs> go yep. back there um <laughs> but you know that's very very important to make sure that the house is right and i've really got to digress a little bit to make sure that you understand that parasites love an environment that is perfect for them. Mm. So if you've got a lot of heavy metals in your body and lots of toxic exposures, it's just like a field day for them. Disneyland, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. They use those metals as their survival process. So if you've got a lot of mercury, you know, whatever's going on for you, if you've got lots of heavy metals, they're going to eat that up and they're going to love it mm. and it's going to enable them to stay around. So um, if you're that kind of person, once again, in conjunction with dealing with your parasites, have a look at your heavy metals and pulling them out of the body as well so that those parasites can't live off them mm. and um, survive in there. It's like the perfect environment because if the environment's not great, they're not going to settle in. They'll go off and find someone else. Yeah, absolutely. And this is just such... A beautiful thing that you can literally um, work with a practitioner for two or three sessions to just get this happening and get the testing you need uh, and get your cleanse happening with the um, antimicrobials that they want to use with you based on where you're at and um, having a look at other factors like the heavy metals because it's just so important to address 
root cause because quite often parasites proliferate as a downstream effect of something major that's going on that you haven't addressed yet, which Hmm. has certainly been in my experience researching them. Yeah, exactly. And just to, you know, hone in on that, they love glucose in the bloodstream. And where do we get that from? If we're stressed and our cortisol levels are high. So you could be eating the most awesome diet on the planet that doesn't feed them and you could be doing everything so well, but if you're still stressed and you're still raising those cortisol levels and there's still glucose and insulin, you won't be able to get rid of them. Mm. So it's once again, it is. It's just making this amazing new lifestyle that enables you to yeah, be able to deal with all of the different facets and obviously not get overwhelmed, but just those simple things. It is simple, 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 isn't it? And I feel like the word holistic has been trivialised um, to a certain point, but it, but don't trivialise it. Like it is an important word. These things work holistically um, when we're trying to sort stuff out. So, mm-hmm. mm, yeah, I think once something, once a word's been used as a brand name for umpteen things, it loses its importance. But it is just such an important word. It's not hippie woo woo, oh, and it's not marketing. No. It's just no. holistic. That, that- yeah. yeah, that's so true. And look, you know, it's interesting. We were just talking about this um, off the podcast as before, but when we went to the States and we um, got some testing done and on, you know, on paper there was some anomalies there that didn't look too good for Noah and I and they were fascinated as to why we were doing so well. And, you know, it was like, well, you know what, we go into nature, we play around with dirt, we get out in the sunshine we calm our bodies down. We don't look at technology all day long. Like all this free basic stuff mm. is is what's ticking, you know, making us tick along so beautifully in the face of having, um, you know, quite a lot of um, issues from that we've got to clean up from <laughs> from previously. Yeah. Um, so you know, it is. It, it's silly to say, oh, you know, you've got to have a holistic life and all that kind of stuff, but. Yeah, it it really um, can significantly change how you get better and what happens. And, you know, for some people, you know, like you were saying, three, you know, sessions with a practitioner, for for most people that's, you know, beautiful. But also if you're that person that needs a longer process to learn, like how how do I get out in nature and Mm. how do I change my diet and how do I implement these things? Um, you know, a, a longer sort of working with a supportive person to really help you change those basic lifestyle, ch- you know, sort of um, lifestyle changes and really help you to unpack all of those things is it may take a bit more time, but then it's it's embedded. You're off. And exactly. And that's where health coaches can be so supportive and helpful. You know, oh, yeah. we don't need yeah. doctors and naturopaths to teach us this stuff. We need people who know how to motivate you and that's what coaching is about. Yeah, and that's the beauty of our six-month program. We have our practitioners that, um, you know, read the tests and, you know, drill down to that nitty-gritty and then we've got the health coaches that sit with you and, okay, so you woke up. Mm. What the hell do you do now? You know, <laughs> and so they're just guiding you through on a daily basis. It's keep it simple. Let's go and have a drink of, you know, water or let's, you know, go for that walk and make sure that your heart rate's, you know, nice and calm and all those sorts of things. So seek support. Seek it's important. Support. It is important. We've only got one life. We may as well live it really well. Yeah. Now, something that happens to a lot of people when they start cleansing or clearing out the bad guys 
are Herxheimer um, reactions. Can you talk to us about what that actually means for people? Well, I, I mean, I guess I could actually. <laughs> I know this one. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it's a, a die-off reaction and that can present as like crazy horrific like room-clearing wind. It can just be this sense <laughs> that you're eight months pregnant all of a sudden. Um, it can it basically feels like huge discomfort, like your body has – it can sometimes be an electrical feeling as well, like your body's literally trying to vibrate badness out. Um, it can even be fevers. It can manifest as all sorts of things. Um, and what do people – is it as simple as just starting slower um, so that you can very, very gradually bring in – um, the the antimicrobials or, um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to know your thoughts on how to deal with Herx reactions. Yeah. So my first comment to that is don't underestimate the Herx reactions. Mm-hmm. So if you're taking a parasite cleanse or, or you've had some beautiful cultured wellness ferment and something random goes down, don't, you know, oh, my gosh, I'm having a heart attack. I better go off to the hospital. It, 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 they are that powerful. They are that powerful. If we think about candida, for example, it releases horrible alcohol, in, you know, toxins into our body. You know, if we've had too many drinks, we, we get wonky. We feel funny in the head. We, you know, all of those things happen. So, and parasites releasing that ammonia, they can really cause a significant, um, you know, sort of bouts of anxiety, Mm. Panic attacks even, you know, I've got lots of clients that they go through their parasite cleanses and can have a flare and have panic attacks and so really make um, place it where it needs to be. This is okay because I'm killing off by something that I'm doing. I'm taking a parasite cleanse. I'm actively killing something off. That is releasing something into my body that is actually struggling a little bit to cope with that and this is the fallout. Mm. So look at it at that staged process. Now, for my clients who there's a lot of fog, there's a lot of mental health issues going on, I actually get them to vis- like to actually draw that process out and put it on the fridge so they can visually see this is the process of what's happening to me mm-hmm. and that's actually okay. Right. And here are, my, here are my tools that I now need to use. So I think it's important to understand that the, the Herx reaction and what can happen. Now, of course, so that doesn't get to the point that it's anxiety and, uh, you know, tachycardia and all those sorts of things. You can start slow and that might be as slow as, you know, a teaspoon of some fermented foods or if your um, parasite cleanse that you're using requires you to take three tablets, you just take one Mm. and you do it for longer and that's fine. There's no race to do any of these things. Um, but that's where these amazing tools like diatomaceous earth and charcoals and clays and all of those sorts of things come into their absolute fore because you can feel those toxins building up in your body and then you can take those mopping up agents and you literally can feel it. You can feel them mopping it up and then leaving your body. So It's really quite amazing, isn't it? I think binder, oh. binders are like my favourite thing in the world for what they can do and how quickly <laughs> they can make you feel incredible. Mummy's little helper in the handbag instead yeah. of gin. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they might be gin on some day. I'm not ruling it out. <laughs> yeah. No, totally, totally. And, and so I think don't underestimate and – some people, like my clients, for example, will say, oh, I didn't feel too bad, so no, I haven't taken any of that yet. And I'm like, 
why not? Go in there, you know, use it. See how powerful it can be. Explore it. Give it a try. You know, these are simple and they're not expensive. Before I knew about all of these binders and everything, I didn't realise I was self-medicating myself, but I had to run for like 15 Ks to sweat out all those toxins to get balance. Wow. Um, Yeah, so, you know, I'd run and run and run or I'd play heaps of netball or lots of sports because my poor little liver was just working at 100 miles an hour to pump out this stuff. So um, I've got much more time in my day when you're not running that much all the time. You can (laughs) take charcoal or you can, you know. Mix um, it up and go for a little 30-minute walk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so um, so definitely use those tools um, and embrace the Herx reaction because it means you're making change and that's what you want. And so once again, it's that framework around awesome. Every step this this is happening, this is closer to me, me being in my end game, which is feeling well and being able to go back to doing the things that I really enjoy and that I love and that makes me feel good about myself. So, Yeah, beautiful. And sometimes, like sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes what you think is a die-off reaction is not. Um, when do we know? <laughs> like for me, yeah. the most obvious thing is ferments that aren't quite right. Um, and by that, I mean ones with wild yeasts like kombuchas or, um, or bacterial strain mixes that unfortunately flare conditions up rather than dissipate them depending on what you're going through. Is, is this why it's important to work with a practitioner who's completely across uh, gut health and has a really sound understanding of when it's going to be a Herx reaction, when it's actually just something that doesn't suit your body? Exactly. So if you're, you know, four months down the track and you're still having a Herx reaction, there's something going on there. I mean, of course, if there's significant dysbiosis and imbalance within the body, some people are still having Herx reactions that far down the track, but they're not as significant as like the first, you know, three or four days. So that's um, worth noting that if it is still quite significant you need to yeah step forward and in, in investigate okay what's going on here when we work with our clients um i just think kinesiologists are just the bee's knees when it comes to this yeah so if you're you know okay what's going on here i'm still feeling quite um flat and i was expecting some change if you're regularly having kombucha or regularly having a um, certain type of probiotics or if you're eating eggs and they're not great for you because there's still some healing of the gut wall that needs to happen, Make, you know, access a great kinesiologist. Literally take those things in and get them tested and muscle tested or get an IgG test at the doctor, which is to test to see whether you can actually eat those foods, like eggs, for example, because you might not be quite ready for those things. And they could, exactly like you were saying, they could be causing um the dysbiosis to actually go further and not go, you know, go back and start to rebalance. So that is very, very important to not assume, okay, I read on this that this is the food that I eat and these are the tablets and these are the probiotics, so I should be better. Yeah, exactly. That was that was written for the general population and that wasn't written for someone who lived in Africa for six years and then came home and lost a loved one and their stress levels went through the roof and all of those sorts of things. So remembering you're just such a unique, beautiful little soul 
that needs things adjusted perfectly to you. And so absolutely a practitioner that gets microbes and gut health and different probiotic strains and understands how healing occurs and um, it's just so important. Otherwise, it's too you can't. It's just too much to navigate it on your own. Yeah, exactly. And to just have that sounding board to um to work with you when when you can just say, look, is is this right? Do you think do you think that's right? And so often we unfortunately see people turning to the internet asking that question when it's at hmm. a time in their life where they really could use some some strong sound practitioner advice and i just I, my heart goes out to to people who 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 believe that by following one particular way and buying that particular brand of probiotics and that but everything it should all be okay and therefore i'm a failure no you're not you're just a human which means you're a totally individual <laughs> being and um and you've got to tweak things to you and and that's yeah it's it's just yeah. the way it is yeah, and what we know at this current, you know, this current time. So I hope our culture wellness program and protocols and how we do everything will be completely different in two years' time, mm. because I can't wait to learn more and to understand more. And and um, you know, and and you know, my own personal experience, for example, I hit a roadblock. And what's going on here? So you access the doctor. I got my bloods done, and I was so deficient in iodine. It was not funny. Mm. And Iodine is an anti-parasitic. Mm. I'm not not going to get far if one of the major nutrients that the body needs to step up and defend isn't happening. And yeah. so I I needed to actually you know have a supplement for that. And so what a great thing to have that little bit of information. And I totally felt a change and a different with that little piece of knowledge to then move forward. So, um, yeah, just those little tweaks along the way can make a big difference. It can. And do you know one of the most interesting ways you can know that you're iodine deficient? <laughs> lots of, no, it's funny. Yeah. It is funny. Yeah. So that's boogers, lots of nose boogers. So if you feel like you've constantly got stuff in your nose and you need to get a tissue, um, then, yeah, iodine is pretty much the first place you should Hilarious. Isn't that interesting? So interesting. Bodies wow. are so cool. They are very cool. Very, um, very cool. I'm not going to ask you whether you had lots of boogers. Don't worry. I don't need you well, to get I that was, personal no, on no, the no. show, Kirsty. <laughs> I was going to say I'm the direct opposite. When my iodine gets better, I get a um, I get some mucus layer in my nose and get a little bit of a runny nose. So I'm I'm the opposite in that. Oh, no, so. the runny nose is good. Yeah. That's when yeah, you know yeah, yeah. you've gone maybe to perfect or slightly too much. I it's, might actually have something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So interesting. Mm. Um, and the reason I researched that was because my son, poor little guy, he's going to look back on this show one day and go, Mom. But um, my child, Noah's never going to speak to me when he gets <laughs> turns eighteen. That's all right. <laughs> Too funny. Anyway, um, so last question on this parasite journey: maintenance, keeping the little buggers at bay. So you recommend doing a little bit of a cleanse to keep things in check once or twice a year, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And Absolutely. does the cleanse transcend using antimicrobials and go into what foods you'd be choosing around that time as well? Of course. So if, you know, if you think back, okay, what do these guys live off? Yeah. They live off sugar and carbohydrates. And so having, a, you know, a diet that certainly 
you know, doesn't, you know, have those sugar and carbohydrates in there and um, it kind of starves them out mm. is certainly going to make you far more successful with your cleanse and because you only want to do it a couple of times a year. Yeah. Um, so you might as well make the most of it and just, you know, really keep the diet nice and clean living, beautiful vegetables, beautiful proteins, nice good quality fats, those things that really nourish the body. They nourish all the different systems and they won't feed those parasites whilst you're, you know, obviously killing them off and making some changes. So I, I do think the diet is is key and it's key also because it's nutrients to the organs that are going to have to step up whilst you're doing it. Mm. And then, of course, with maintenance, it is a lot around, you know, having beautiful probiotic and fermented foods um, all the time and making sure that there's not lots of sugar and eating foods that have got antibiotics in them and um, eating foods that nourish the cells and um, keeping the heavy metals out. And Then, yeah, you're not going to get into this that sort of situation where you're going to have to do a major rebuild again yeah. to find balance. Yeah, I love it. And I think that's what the most appealing thing about doing a couple of weeks a year of that is, is that you don't then head so far down south with a critical issue um, because you've kept them in check along the way. Mm. Oh, yeah. You talk yeah. to anyone who's like infested. <laughs> They're like, oh, my goodness, I never want to go back there again. And especially when it, it does impact your mental health. Yeah. Um, and, you know, people that do, you know, suffer from anxiety, from parasites, you just, you never want to go back there again. So it's um, certainly important to um, keep all those things in check. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow. Well, we got there. <laughs> we covered, we covered a lot everything. of ground we did Woo. that was fantastic thank you so much for coming back on the show Kirsty. always oh. a massive pleasure to chat oh it's so good to be here and thank you for having me it's just wonderful to you know have a big in-depth you know sort of meaty discussion about so many different things it's lovely so yeah. thank you oh you're so welcome and everybody to f- connect with Kirsty's work here after after um, at Cultured Wellness. I've got all the details for you in the show notes, uh, especially if you at least want to join the Facebook community and see what Kirsty Natter's on about on her beautiful live Facebooks every now and then. There's always something super interesting going on. So thank you and uh, no doubt I will speak to you again soon. Yeah, thank you. Well, that's another show done. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Always so much inspiration from our beautiful guests. And I just want to take a minute to say thank you uh, for taking the time to leave a review for our show because it helps us stay visible and helps other people who maybe haven't discovered it yet go, ooh, that looks like it might be worth a look. So if the show has provided value to you, there's nothing you can do to thank me more than to leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you access the show from. So what you do is you just search generally in the podcast app. Don't be in the list of shows because you won't be able to leave a review there. So once you've searched generally, you'll see the tile come up and you click on that tile and then a little set of tabs will come up and the middle one is called review. And from there, you can click it, star rate it and leave a review. And I appreciate that so much. Now, if you want to connect with the rest of the Lotox Life community, we're over on Instagram at Lotox Life 
or on the main website uh, where there are a whole bunch of recipes, some incredible e-learning opportunities depending on what your low-tox goals are. And that is www.lowtoxlife.com. And of course, if you want to check out the podcast show notes, you just do forward slash podcast and everything's there. So I look forward to continuing our chats in between shows online in the community. Thank you.